Hey, everybody. The 7th of December, 1941. Well, that's the day that'll live in infamy. Today's December 7th. This is the, the day that, well, as Winston Churchill said, this was the day that Japan, Italy, and Germany lost the war. Um, Churchill said he didn't know how it was going to end, didn't know how long it was going to take, didn't know, you know, as, um, you know, all the intricacies that was going to happen. But once, quote unquote, they had awakened the sleeping giant, the sleeping giant was going to take care of it. Wonder what Winston Churchill would say today. Now, my dad, who some of you know, some of you don't, he's a World War II combat veteran. He carried a BAR, uh, started as a replacement, 10th day of January 1945, actually southeast of Bastogne. The 134th Infantry Division, well, he was in Company C, 1st Platoon, 1st Company C, uh, I think he was in the 3rd Squad, but it was Company C, 134th Infantry, 35th Division, and it was one of the infantry divisions, and it took like 40-some thousand casualties. Um, it, it went into the line at St. Lowe, up on the Cherbourg Peninsula, not too long after the D-Day landings, and ended up on the Elbe River, uh, 60 miles from Berlin. Uh, now, he only made January, February, March, April, and May of that deal. Um, but yeah, he's seen a lot of combat, seen a lot of bad stuff. 26th day of January, 1945, they took 38 casualties out of a hundred men in his company. And in one morning, uh, taking a town by the name of Wies Wampak Luxembourg. Um, but I digress. He was, he was quote unquote, a, um, teenage kid when Pearl Harbor happened. And, and interesting, he had a cousin that was at, Pearl Harbor, on the 7th day of December, 1941, and his cousin seen one day of action in his entire career. He spent all his time at um, uh, Hawaii uh, working out of Pearl, and he seen the, the action on the first day of the war, and that was the only other time he, I mean, he, he never seen any other action at all except that one, that day. But, uh, the, the 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 reason I bring up Dad on this day, and oh, by the way, it's Judy's birthday. She was born on Pearl Harbor Day, which I will say is really convenient for me because it's really easy for me to remember her birthday because you see all the stuff about Pearl Harbor and boom, uh, hates wife's birthday, need to do something for the wife. But Dad got another life insurance payment today. And the interesting thing about that is he's not dead, he's still alive. Uh, but that's why I'm entitling this Outliving Your Life Insurance. This is the third policy, by the way, that has just written him a check. And this one here is interesting because this one came from the Veterans Administration. This is the policy that he bought when he got drafted into service. And, and I forget what, what he told me. It was like one, and somebody out there can correct me that knows it better, but he, he, he gave up like one or two dollars a month while he was in in the service, um, and it was kind of a GI benefits thing, and that way if something happened to him, you know, he figured his folks would have the money to, you know, get his body back and bury it and everything else, 
And, and by the way, I find it interesting because uh, my grandfather had bought a Penn Mutual policy on him um, that we just cashed in about six months ago. And, and quote-unquote, Grandpa bought it on him when he got drafted for the very same reason that Dad took out this uh, basically soldier insurance, I call it. And, of course, I, I don't know what he did. I, I don't know if he could cash it out when he got out of the service or he just left it in there or whatever, but he's got it. And they wrote me a check. Um, and, and it's not a real big check, but it's a decent check considering he only gave like one or two bucks a month for, you know, basically – two and a half years or something like that. Um, and, and, and he's out living his insurance. And there's other people that do that every now and then. There's people that live a long time. I, I talked to one insurance person I know, and they said a lot of those people generally get to 100 because a lot of people don't buy life insurance until they have kids. They, they get married, then they have kids, then they buy life insurance, and so they're a little bit older than what dad was when he was, uh, you know, basically an 18, 19-year-old kid. He was 19 years old, by the way, when he walked into the line. I mean, think what you were doing. You were 19. And uh, my dad was jumping in a foxhole in a, in a pine forest southeast of Bastogne on a frozen night of uh, January 10th. He was 19. So it, it it's it's um it's a crazy world, but yeah, the, the, that quote unquote the old man. And when I say he's the old man, he is the old man. Um, he's ninety six, getting ready to go on ninety seven, and he's outlived his life insurance. He's seen a lot of things. Now, what what's interesting, and 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 it's it's genetics. My family, a lot of people live a long time. And on both sides. My mother lived till she was 92. Her parents both lived into their 90s. Uh, dad, uh, Dad's grandfather was born in 1864 and died in 1953. Yeah, he was 89 years old. But you start, you start thinking about that. You know, my, my grandfather was born at the, the turn of the last century. It was like 1898. Um, of course, I was born in 58. Um, basically 60 years later. Um, so, yeah, we, we quote unquote, we span some years. But my, my grandfather, not my great grandfather, not the one born in 1864 during the Civil War, by the way. Um, my grandfather, he... Um, he can talk about he's seen the first car drive into Middletown. He was a young kid. He remembered seeing the first car drive in. And he watched the space shuttle land back on Earth. So he's seen a spaceship land on Earth. Um, that, that's, a, that's a pretty doggone good spread. And, and I look at my dad. My dad was born in 1925. Dad grew up during the Depression. And when he talks about the war, the war to him is World War II. And one thing I find interesting with him is he would complain about the people, especially at the assisted living where him and mom had their little apartment at. Um, he, he would complain that, well, I don't have anything in common with them. I'm 
Dad, you're 20 years older than them. When you talk about the war, they're thinking Vietnam. You're talking about World War II. You, you know, Dad, don't get me wrong. I, uh, my, my dad liked listening to Hank Williams. He liked listening to Roy Acuff. Um, part, partly because after the war, he was stationed at uh, Camp Campbell, Kentucky, and they used to go to Nashville on Saturday night and listen to the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, nickel to get in, by the way, he never paid a nickel. He had a combat infantry badge on his uniform, and he said, he said I never had to pay my way in because somebody always paid for me. And the fact is, he said, they'd just start out walking, going you know, down Camp Campbell, Kentucky, and people would just stop and pick them up. Of course, this is right after the war. This was 46. Um, the, these, you know, these guys, and, you know, um, he said the Nashville cops, the police in Nashville were really nice to these guys, or to, or to the soldiers. Dad said most of them guys had been veterans of World War I. So, um, you, you look at kind of, you know, his span of looking at things. And I'm not going to tell him, these people that, you know, are 20 years younger than him and are in the, quote-unquote, he calls it the retirement home. Um, and a lot of them not as good a health as he is, by the way. Uh, they, um, they listened to the Beatles. The old man didn't listen to the Beatles. And oh, by the way, here's the deal, too. In farming... Both of you that aren't in farming, I think you people in farming will understand this. There's no middle age in farming. You're either the young kid or you're the old man. Because when the old man dies, you become the old man and your kids become the kids. And I know that's how it's going to be with me. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm his kid. He's the old man. But I, boom, as soon, soon as something happens to dad and he goes, I'm going to become the old man and my kids are all going to still be the kids. It, there's just there's no middle age in agriculture, and then there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, some people get really upset when I talk about that. There, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's just the way it is, and, and the fact, and I think a few of you heard me talk about this before. There's a whole lot of guys and gals. You know, I've always I've gotten my crop insurance from a lady agent for a long time, and my fertilizer dealership is owned by a female so anybody out there that 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 you know wants to follow me and and trash me or something um i i I do a lot of business and i don't i don't really don't care who you are where you're from uh just you know how good your price how good your service you know location convenience all that kind of stuff that doesn't matter to me but um you know, the, 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 and I guess just kind of struggling to just say it is, you know, as, as time goes on, I, I can see how you get to looking back and you maybe don't look as forward as much, except I, I do know this. It just wasn't that long ago. Gosh, he, what, he bought his last farm in 12, I think, 12 or 13. And then we just traded some farms. Last year, and and he he figured he understood what we were doing, and you know you talked to him about it, and he go, yeah, it makes sense, you know. Um, he didn't really he, he he bought three but traded one for the three, got back closer to home. Um, you know it's it's just um, 
it's just interesting how, how all the things work out. But the fact that he outlived his life insurance. And, and when I talk about healthy, he had COVID last year and he was asymptomatic. 96 years old. Now, he, he was tired and slept a lot on, on the quote-unquote recovery. Uh, but he got over it, you know, and, and doing, doing really well. Um, he, he would, he'd like to be home. He'd like to still be back on the farm. It, it got to where mom wanted to go because mom was getting where it was a struggle to cook and clean. And also too, my, my mom Alzheimer's took mom and uh, it was, it was not a very pretty ending for mom. And I think mom knew it was going that way. She would write lots of things down. She had lots of lists. She had a lot of stuff. Uh, she had a calendar that, you know, she wrote every little detail down on. And I look back, and I think mom knew that she needed to go someplace where somebody was cooking them three squares a day and, you know, could look in on them, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, her, her and my sister Marilyn went around and picked out the place. Dad really didn't have a choice in that. And then the day they moved, uh, he He moved. And, um, you know, quote, 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 unquote, the rest is history. But, yeah, I just thought uh, appropriate today to talk about uh, on, uh, you know, a day that will live in infamy. Um, somebody that's outlived their life insurance. You know, and it's interesting, even, even now where he struggles a little bit with memory. I mean, you ask him what he had for lunch, he can't tell you. But you ask him what happened on this day or that day, and he can go back in that memory book, and he can tell you a whole lot. Uh, and, and I can tell you too, his army buddies, he, there was a good bunch of guys down the stretch. Um, you know, I, and, and if I get into all the names, I'm going to, I'm going to screw up on some, but you know, Roger Petcock out of Texas, he was a sergeant. He'd worked on the nine ranch, um, before the war, um, had gotten divorced. Um, he ranched south of San Antonio, uh, after the war, um, was just a great guy, um, Stein Hopeful lived lived in uh, um, uh, Colorado. Rex Storm, who was another sergeant, uh, but the old man he he had that BAR, so he put the cover down. He talked about this baker who could put a rifle grenade in just about any window you wanted him to put a rifle grenade into. Um, I remember Roger Petcock telling me one time, especially when they crossed into Germany. And once they crossed into Germany, they really weren't too careful about what they blew up and what they didn't blow up. They kind of blew up everything, I think. But he talked about these really, really good made German houses. Of course, you got to remember, these guys didn't call them Germans. It was all Krauts. It was Kraut this, Kraut that, Krauts. You know, that's just how they talked. Um, and, and that's the way they're always going to be. But I remember Petcock just telling me one time, he says, yeah, you get a bunch of them in the house. If you can throw a satchel charge in the basement and lift that house... Oh, eight to twelve inches off the foundation. If 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 the concussion don't kill them, it stuns them enough that we can clean it out. Um, and that was one thing too about Dad. I mean, down down the stretch near the end of the war, none of those guys wanted to go to any other outfit or do anything else because they had it pretty well down. And, and I want to say it was uh, there there at Bastone. They were up against. I want to say the three twenty six. Volksgradier, it's it's German infantry division, and I could be wrong on the number, but but it was one of the 
German divisions that had been on the Eastern Front. And I remember some of Dad's army buddies, they were just talking one night, and I just a little kid sitting there, and I remember they, they talked about how those guys were pretty good at what they did and ta- taught these guys that were talking a lot. And they learned it the hard way. Believe me, they learned it the hard way. Um, they were up against the 2nd SS Panzer Division at one point in time. Um, you know, but, but yeah, to be 19 years old. And, and I can tell you, Dad liked the hog buildings. He liked raising hogs because he could be inside because the cold weather bothered his feet the rest of his life. He never, he never quote-unquote, froze them, but he got them frostbit enough that the cold weather would really, really, really bother his feet. And I, I still remember on our first slatted hog building, Fahrenheit Nursery, he used to put a big pair of heavy wool socks on over. He'd take his rubber boots off, and, and over his cotton socks, he'd put these big heavy wool socks and, and work around, you know. Of course, you had sows in the crates and stuff, so you had aisles, and if you kept them pretty clean, you know, you could do that. He, he would he would, he'd walk around in the real cold days, because that cold weather would really, really bother his feet. He didn't like going to farm sales because his feet would get to bother him. Now, if he was out, you know, cutting brush or something and moving all the time, you know, stepping up and down, but that's one reason he liked the hogs, and he liked to carpenter in the wintertime in, inside uh, because he, it didn't bother his feet. But, yeah, he's outlived his – this is the third life insurance policy now that I've gotten a check that I'm going to put in the bank for him, and he's still alive. Outliving your life insurance. Yeah, it's a day that'll live in infamy, though, back. And, and you know what? There's a whole bunch of guys and gals. I mean, you know, people said, well, what'd your mom do in the war? Mom was a little bit younger. My mother, she went into the Army Navy Nurse Corps training. And her training wasn't quite done at the end of the war, but they, the government finished up their training and then gave them their discharge papers said, have a nice life. Um, both of them lived through the Depression. Mom had a tougher time of it than Dad. Um, girl, Mom grew up on the farm. Dad grew up in town. Um, Grandpa was the road commissioner. He was the mayor of the town. He worked at a general store. That They, they had food all the time. Um, so, yeah, d- Dad had and Dad had a paper route. He, he always had a little bit of money, spending money, because as a young kid, his mother made him get a paper route, and he delivered the paper. Of course, he'd get up real early in the morning, and he did that his whole life. He'd always get up a lot earlier than I would. And um, he, <laughs> you know, he knew what everybody was doing because he could see what everything was going on early in the morning. Just leave it at that. Well, hey... Outliving your life insurance. I just thought that would be a little bit different anchor than than talking about farming and agriculture and everything else that's going on right now. Um, you know, and and they talk about you know how quote unquote old agriculture is getting and everything else. There's a lot of these tough old birds still around, and um, they're 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 going to be around for a while, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, hey. To the smartest audience in agriculture, thanks for listening.